The Sports Gambling Podcast Network is sponsored by MyBookie.ag. Log into MyBookie now and get yourself a 50% deposit bonus up to $3,000 simply by using the promo code SGP50. With MyBookie.ag, it couldn't be more simple. You play, you win, you get paid. You are listening to the EPL show here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network on Twitter at the SGP Network. I am feeling slightly better. I'm feeling at least well enough to talk. Um, I was suffering from an illness that was completely and utterly debilitating. I woke up on Monday and could not move at all to the point where I had to text my landlord, who is a friend of mine, to get the spare key for my fat to just to bring me some water and medication. And after he physically handed me water and pills and realized that this was not going to be sustainable for the entire day, we decided to take the trip down to the hospital and I was prescribed some antibiotics, but they're pretty rough in themselves. They have like really bad side effects like dizziness and whatnot. So Although I had started them by the time I tried to do the EPL show the other day, I was pretty much knocked out and incoherent. I actually had no idea um, that a podcast even went out. I don't remember what the lock was. I don't remember speaking to Ryan. I don't remember sending it. I don't know what I said on it. Um, But apparently there was a podcast that was done. Um, I imagine it was pretty bad. And I would have sounded pretty much like a drunk person trying to talk about football, trying to talk about premiership football. So I apologize for that. Um, The intentions were good. The intentions were to be consistent and not miss an episode of the EPL show out this season. Um, Don't think there's really any excuse to do that unless you're on your deathbed. And I would say that would be pretty close. I've not felt that ill before. I felt it coming on. For those of you who are members of lockbetting.com, the European show was done when I was at the early stages of that. And then on Monday, it was just turned into a complete and utter collapse. So, so there you go. But I'm able to now speak. I'm still doing this from bed. Um, I'm able to speak. I don't think that we really missed out on much by me not doing a um, an extensive show on um, on in the midweek. And my lockbetting.com customers probably benefited from me not putting out a lot of picks because midweek was a fucking shit show. Like, Man City beaten at Newcastle. Liverpool can't beat Leicester at home. Man United need to get a draw after being 2-0 down against Burnley with two minutes to go. And Pogba and Lindelof pull them out. Um, Tottenham winning uh, from 1-0 down against Watford was a, obviously a good in-play opportunity. Um, but yeah, results really were all over the place. I believe we, <coughs> I would have gone for something in the region of um, Arsenal to probably beat Cardiff to nil or beat Cardiff by more than one goal in that game. Uh, I think Arsenal-Cardiff was probably where I would have looked at for my lock. And um, either way, that would have been ruined in the 94th minute and stoppage time with, with Cardiff's um 
or Cardiff's consolation goal. Um, let's not forget Bournemouth as well. Bournemouth whooped Chelsea 4-0. And then Mauricio Sarri again, this time went even, in, even harder on his players and said they didn't even have the basic fundamentals to play his Sarri ball style. So, so yeah, I mean, he, for me, he has to be the next manager to go. I can't see anybody in a worse position. I don't think any of the relegation candidates are going to change their, their manager again now. Southampton already have. Huddersfield have got rid of their manager. And uh, I, I don't think any of the, and Fulham have as well. So I don't think any of the others down there are going to change. Newcastle certainly won't fire Rafa Benitez. Sean Dyche is completely safe at Burnley. We're looking at the top end managers now. And I think Leicester would be stupid to let Claude Peel go, even though Leicester are completely inconsistent. I honestly think it's going to come down to two bigger clubs. I think one of Everton or Chelsea could be the next ones to see their managers go. I really do. Um, Because Marco Silva is not doing a good job there at all. Let's have a look at this week's Premier League games. We'll start with the Saturday afternoon kickoff, of course, where Tottenham Hotspurs are hosting Newcastle and Obviously, because of this absence of Harry Kane and Deli Alley, we're continuing to get Tottenham at prices where we wouldn't normally get them at. So in this instance, they're one to two. The draw is ten to three, and Newcastle are thirteen to two. I think this is a good situational play to take Tottenham on. Um, there's no look ahead games now for Tottenham. They've managed to get themselves knocked out of all the other competitions knocked out of the Carabao Cup in the semi-final stage don't have a Carabao Cup final to look forward to have no FA Cup games uh, I correctly predicted on last week's show that uh, Crystal Palace would beat Tottenham should have made that my underdog and should have made Man United my lock uh, big mistake last week with a lock with Wimbledon that was that was a really bad play and I'm not very happy um, that I made changes on, on the show conservative changes when I had better better things written down in front of me with the original plan to be lock Man United on the draw no bet and uh, to take Palace as an underdog. Um, both landed anyway, but um, Palace was given out as an official pick to lockbetting.com customers. If you're not on lockbetting.com, you should be. You should at least be on one of the very minor packages so you can get yourself the European show. You're, it's an absolute minimal amount. It's a price of two cups of coffee at Starbucks to make sure that you get the European show every month. So go over there and check it out, lockbetting.com. Uh, you should be you should be on that if you're into football. You should be getting that European show because that is absolutely flying. Um, I'm going to give you um, some more information about that at the end later. But in this instance, moving back to the Tottenham and Newcastle game, situationally, it benefits Tottenham here because they don't have anything else now to play for other than finishing in the top four, a faint chance of doing something in a Champions League. But but I think they could definitely go out in the next round against Dortmund. So this is it for Tottenham. And obviously Newcastle, this is it for them too. They want to stay in the Premier League, but they've just had a very big emotional win at home. Now they come all the way down to London which is seven hours if they're traveling by coach. They could travel by plane. Um, but either way, they, 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 they don't do very well in London. They never, ever have done. And coming off that big emotional win, they'll feel somewhat content uh, with what they achieved by beating Manchester City. Uh, they'll feel happy of their league position now. They're up to 14th spot. And uh, I just feel that Tottenham... <laughs> 
our team, you've got to jump on here at this price of one to two. I think they'll be able to uh, get this win against Newcastle and move on to, to next week, which is a tougher game against Leicester. Later on, we've, on the Saturday afternoon, we've got Brighton against Watford, where Brighton are six to four. 11 to 5 the draw and 15 to 8 on Watford. Now, Brighton were 2 0 up against Fulham and ended up losing the game 4 2. Another extraordinary result. I mean, I did predict Fulham would win that game because they needed to more, but didn't think that Fulham had that kind of monumental comeback in them where they would come back from two down, basically from the dead, and score four goals against Brighton who are actually a defensively solid team you'd be hard pressed to remember any game where even one of the big sides have put a ton of goals past Brighton uh, Chris Hewton is an organised manager um, focuses on the defence first and um, that's why you know you don't have any superstar players in the Brighton team they are all hard working ball winners and um, even, even up front I mean Glenn Murray their striker is not a glamorous striker. I think Pascal Grob will probably be the only player that they have in this team that's um, in any way a flair player. But um, despite the defeat, looking at the table, Brighton haven't really been <clears throat> too affected by this. There's still a massive gap between them and Cardiff in 18th place, which is seven points. The gap between um, Fulham and Brighton was produced down to um, nine points, and that's with Fulham's win as well. So it was 12 points before there. So they're not in any danger. They haven't been dragged into any danger. There's nothing to worry about if you're a Brighton supporter. You're in 26 points already. You probably only need 12 more to survive. But they have now fallen five points behind West Ham, six points behind Leicester, seven points behind Bournemouth, and uh, seven points behind Watford, and seven points behind Everton. And these are the teams that they would have liked to have um, started to compete with to look at a top half finish. And uh, at the moment, they seem firmly rooted to the bottom half. They're closer to Newcastle than in, and Crystal Palace and Southampton and Burnley because all of these teams are just separated by three points. And uh, the bottom three now are quite clearly divided. Cardiff, 19 points. Fulham, 17. And Huddersfield, 11. With Burnley in 17th place on 23. That's a four-point gap. And that's quite difficult to make up at the bottom because there's not a lot of points on offer. Four points at the top can change relatively quickly. If Man City lose a game, you can almost... Oh, sorry, if Liverpool lose a game, you can almost guarantee that Man City would, will win. And it's very lucky that um, for Man City that Liverpool didn't capitalise on Man City's loss to Newcastle and beat Leicester on, on Wednesday because that effectively would have won them the Premier League, in my opinion. But looking at this game, uh, both teams in a very, very comfortable position. I'm going to lean towards the home team here. I'm going to lean towards Brighton winning this game. No confidence in this pick at all. I just feel that <clears throat> Brighton having a relatively okay season and um, would like to, to bounce back from probably one of their poorest performances relatively quickly. Up next, we look at a, another very difficult game to judge, which actually has similar prices to the last game. It's Burnley and Southampton. Burnley are also 6-4 to four to win. It's also 11-5 the draw here. And it's also 15-8 to eight on Southampton to win, although they are available as big as 2-1. to one. Burnley looks pretty good 
getting a 2-2 draw against Man United, but they'll feel disappointed they didn't win that game. Um, obviously, Man United would have been a lot more disappointed if they'd end up actually losing to Burnley, but obviously ended up saving their skin at the end there with the Lindelof equaliser to keep Ole Gunnar Solskjaer unbeaten as Man United manager. Um, for me... I think if you can get a draw against Man United, you should be able to beat Southampton. Southampton stuttered to a um, a one-all draw against Crystal Palace. Um, although in other games at home this season, they have been relatively decent. Uh, they threw got a big win against Everton. They've beaten Arsenal. So I think Ralph Hasenthal has done a good job and they'll, and they'll be safe. But I just think that they'll find it difficult to score here against Burnley. I think Burnley tactically will do what they have to do here, which is keep it tight at the back, score a goal, and then invite Southampton onto them and say, let's see if you can break us down. And um, as Southampton haven't particularly added too well in the transfer window, I don't think that they'll be able to. So I'm going to be taking Burnley here to to get the home win. And uh, obviously a lot of this is tough to call and in situations where I don't know what exactly to do I'll defer to the home team so don't expect to see any of these games featured in, in the end at the end of the show in a lock dog parlay portion because uh, I don't like any of them that much but um, yeah in, in these situations defer to the home team if, if forced to make picks as I am here up next oh, Chelsea against Huddersfield where Chelsea are one to five Five to one the draw, and it's fourteen to one on Huddersfield. <coughs> this is a game that Chelsea absolutely have to win, um, and they will win. There's there's no way they won't win, but they'll have to also win here looking good. You would think Gonzalo Higuain would have to get off the mark. You'd expect an impressive performance from Hazard here. Um, you just expect a lot of things here from Chelsea to compensate from the fact that they've just been destroyed 4-0 by Bournemouth. I mean, that result just kept getting worse and worse and worse. I mean, you saw it come through. It was it was nil-nil and then suddenly it's 1-0 and 2-0 very quickly and you just thought, you know, I was I was hoping just for the both teams to score to catch and hope Chelsea could put up some kind of resistance and make the scoreline look, look respectable. And uh, by the end of it, it kept suspended. And the assumption was, is that, yes, the both teams to score better is cash. Chelsea have got one back. But it was then it was 3-0 and then it was 4-0. And you just don't expect Chelsea to be beaten 4-0 at Bournemouth. And you don't expect Bournemouth to keep clean sheets either. But that must have been on a hell of a terrible performance and for Sar- and Sarri's even come out and said they, they don't even have the the basic fundamentals of, of, of how to play my style of, of Sarri ball um, I don't think they're ever going to grasp it because Sarri was going to be sacked before they ever implement this Sarri ball um, he can complain all he wants about not having the players there but at the end of the day you, as your job as a manager is to come in and work with the players that you've got and you don't put Ingallo Kante as an attacking midfield player and have Jorginho sitting in behind to do his job and also be a ball carrier. I mean, is Jorginho good enough to, to build a team around? Is Kovacic better than Barkley just because he's coming on loan from Real Madrid? 
is Kante an attacking midfielder? Has he ever shown any skills as an attacking midfielder in all the seasons that he's been there? Has Marcus Alonso ever been dropped by any other manager? Like, how are you dropping one of the best fullbacks in the world and who's been one of Chelsea's best players? Um, David Luiz and Rudiger is that a strong enough centre-back parents challenge for a championship Kepa is good he's a good goalkeeper um, Hazard's good obviously so Hazard and Kepa are probably two world-class players but even with Hazard if you criticise him he's not going to want to play for you he will down tools and that's why even though they're playing Huddersfield this week I'm reluctant to put Eden Hazard into the fantasy team even though it seems like a no-brainer pick this team seems like they've they've down tools and he's a player that quits relatively easily. And I think whether Sarri's there or not, at the end of the season, Hazard's going to go. As for this result, Huddersfield, despite the fact Chelsea in disarray, I don't think that they present too much of a threat to anybody. Um, I don't think they're going to score in this game. So your options here are to take Chelsea to nil or take Chelsea on the minus one handicap. I honestly, at this juncture, with the way Chelsea are playing and the luck they've had with strikers, I'm more confident taking Chelsea to win to nil than I am taking Chelsea on any kind of handicap line at all. I, I don't have any strong beliefs on this team scoring two goals. I don't want to be involved in a bet where this team needs to score two goals. I'm happier for them to keep a clean sheet and just get out of this game with a 1-0 win. And so I'm taking Chelsea to nil here. Up next, got Crystal Palace against Fulham, where Crystal Palace are 10 to 11 favourites. It's 12 to 5 the draw, and it's 14 to 5 on Fulham. A big win for Fulham in the week. They now place, face Palace in what's a minor derby game, just because both teams are in London. Uh, Crystal Palace has been really good lately. Got the draw at Southampton, easily beat Tottenham in the cup last week, 2 0. Um, I say easily, but there were Tottenham had chances to get back into that game. But but obviously, Palace were, were never never let them uh, get within a goal of them. I mean, if Tottenham got it to 2-1, then Palace would have felt some real pressure. But the fact that Tottenham missed penalties and chances and, and all sorts um, made Palace quite comfortable in the, in the last half an hour of that game. Um, I think you just have to ride Palace here. They're not particularly good at home this season, but... Uh, in fact, oh, I don't know what to do with this game. I kind of think you should ride Palace, but I also think that you should kind of ride Fulham because there's always one team who make a big fight at the end and, and manage to get themselves out of relegation troubles. And I think if anyone does it this season, that, that team could be Fulham. Uh, I think Cardiff and Huddersfield are down for sure. But I, th I don't think Fulham are. I think they've got a lot of good players. They showed who they were against Brighton. And uh, I I'm just reluctant to fade them here. Although the logical pick is Palace, I'm going to take um, I'm going to take Fulham or the draw on the double chance here at 8-11. to 11. So that's Fulham to avoid a defeat. I just feel that Crystal Palace um, are not that strong at home in the league and um, I just think there's, there's a little bit of momentum with Fulham now and I feel that they could be the team to get out of it and um, trade places with someone and I just don't know who will be dragged down there whether it be Burnley Southampton uh, Newcastle I'm, I'm not sure I'm not sure who will be dragged in but uh, maybe even 
Palace themselves, but but I doubt it. I think they're too good to go down. But um, but yeah, I think Fulham. I'm not sure that they'll stay up, but I think they'll still make a fight of it at the end here. And um, I'm not resigning them to relegation yet, as I am with the um, with the other two. Up next, you've got oh, the two most awful and unpredictable teams. Not awful, but the two most unpredictable teams in the in the in the in the Premier League. Like awful, most awful to bet on and most unpredictable. That's kind of where I was going with that. Everton Wolves. Everton 13 to 10, 21 to 10 Wolves and 23 to 10 the draw. I'm going to take the draw here in this game. I just don't see, I've got no faith in Everton. I don't, I don't see them winning this game. Um, I think Marco Silva is going to go at the end of the season. Um, Wolves are in very good form. I'm not sure whether they're going to go and win at Everton though, because that really will be another terrible result. I think at some point Everton need to kind of stop this run of bad results and, and get a decent one. And, and, they have beaten uh, Bournemouth at home in recent memory, but I think Wolves are slightly better. And uh, if I was to pick a winner, I'd lean Everton, but I just think you're getting a draw here, a very good price. And this could feature later on as well in the show as the as the underdog play too. Because <coughs> I just feel that um, this, this is one of those games that has a draw written all over it. The late, late game on Saturday is Cardiff and Bournemouth, where Cardiff are 21 to 10, 12 to 5 the draw, and 5 to 4 on Bournemouth. Um, it's tough to not take Bournemouth here, going up against the worst team in the league, uh, second worst team in the league, um, even though it's on Cardiff's patch, especially taking Bournemouth off the back of a 4 0 win. Not sure if Callum Wilson's going to be fit to play in this game, but uh, they showed in midweek they don't really need him. They're back into 10th place in the league. Um, where do we go with with this one? I think I think you just go with the away win here. I think you take the away win at five to four. You just say they beat Chelsea four 0 They're now playing Cardiff. They're better than Cardiff in every position in the pitch. You take Bournemouth. You move on. You don't think too much about Cardiff's home advantage and whatnot. Um, I'm not necessarily a big fan of betting this game either. But um, if pressed to make a pick, which I am, I'm going to go for. Cardiff to sorry Bournemouth to win this game weird game to put on on the um, on the late game for the late game on Saturday on television Sunday afternoon game features Leicester taking on Manchester United where Leicester are 13 to 5 12 to 5 the draw and 11 to 10 on Man United don't know where we go after that result in midweek um Paul Pogba became Man United's top goal scorer this season with only nine goals. Um, doesn't say too much about the rest of the team. There should be a striker that's got more than that. I guess the excuse for that would be that Romelu Lukaku was a Mourinho's choice and Rashford's been Solskjaer's choice. So you're not going to get a striker scoring a lot of goals this season. Well, in contrast to that, Leicester's Jamie Vardy's only got seven. So Paul Pogba really is flying with nine goals from a midfield position and he's the key player and what will be key in this game is whether Leicester come forward and allow Man United to hit them on the break um, because that's where Man United have been able to kill teams like Arsenal and that's where Man United were also able to score against Tottenham I mean people say Tottenham were unlucky in that game and we were saved by the hair yeah maybe we were but like 
How many times did Man United catch Tottenham on the break and not score? I mean, Pogba missed a couple of chances in that game to score goals, which would have put the game to bed. So it was by no means, you know, a lucky 1-0 win that Man United had. Man United are very good at soaking up the pressure and breaking really quick and scoring. And whether Leicester allowed them to do that or not is is going to be an interesting thing because Leicester play exactly the same way. I mean, it's weird to say Leicester and Man United are stylistically similar, but they actually are. Obviously, Manchester United have much better players, but Leicester also rely on breaking quickly with their players and, and scoring through the likes of Jamie Vardy. I just feel that when two teams are kind of be kind of trying to be mirror images of each other you take the better team on paper and man united do have the better attackers and uh, and match winners to win this game because if the two teams are being cancelled out by by pressing and 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 counter attacks um then it's going to take a moment of flair and man united have paul pogba and Leicester have James Madison. And I'd rather have Pogba than Madison. My official pick for this game is um I'm gonna take both teams to score. I think that um the way that they they, they play will allow for chances. I don't think they're gonna cancel each other out. I think it'll be the opposite in that they'll pretty much expose each other at the back. Um the odd thing is here is that defensively, um I would rather the Leicester City defence than the Man United one. Uh, I do like Pereira. I do like Harry Maguire. I do like Johnny Evans, which is funnily enough, an ex-Man U player. I like Lindelof at United as well. Um, Kasper Schmeichel's also a very good goalkeeper. I wouldn't stop him for De Gea, though. I think United have the better goalkeeper there. I think it's going to be a good game, and I think it's going to have goals in it, and both teams to score available at four to six. That'll be my official play, but I'm picking Man United also to win this game and get back on their winning track. I feel myself getting sicker as I'm talking through this podcast. I don't know if you guys have noticed. This is the most I've spoken since I've had this. So it's a good thing we're getting to the end of the show. Uh, Manchester City will take on Arsenal in the main game this week, where Manchester City are available at 4 to 11. It's 9 to 2 to draw, and it's 8 to 1 on Arsenal. I would love to lock Man City up here. Um, and usually I would be able to, but this season you're not getting them at a price where you can pick them as the lock. Um, so I do think Man City will win this game. But as for finding a bet where I can give you something, um, there's not too much available. I think I'm willing to willing to risk Man City winning this game by more than a goal, which is available at four to five. Arsenal have not fared well against other top uh, the top opponents around them uh, they've lost at Chelsea they lost at home to Man City quite easily they got destroyed at Liverpool they lost to Man United a few weeks uh, sorry last week um, yeah so got no confidence in Arsenal against the against fellow people in the big six and uh, I think that especially away uh, someone I can probably hear somebody saying oh they beat they beat Chelsea and they beat Tottenham yeah they, they did at the Emirates and the fact that Man City wiped them out of the Emirates too shows the the massive difference in class between these two teams so I'm going to take Arsenal to to get beaten here uh, relatively comfortably I'm going to take Man City on the minus one handicap um, Unai Emery is another man who I think will be lucky to keep his job in the summer I think we'll be seeing Sarri go uh, Marco Silva go and I think we could be seeing Unai Emery go the summer's going to be very interesting for managers in addition to that Man United still have to find a new manager as well 
So loads and loads going on with the merry-go-round. And that just favours Liverpool and Man City because they're going to be able to keep the same managers. Everybody else will be having their excuses for rebuilding. Pochettino will be saying he hasn't got any money to win trophies and he's happy to finish fourth. So they'll never be a serious contender. And it just lends itself to more years of Man City and Liverpool challenging for the title. Unless Man United do just turn around and say... Uh, unless they already know who they want, um, know what the philosophy is. Um, Solskjaer is already aware of it, unless it is Solskjaer, unless Solskjaer is the man and he's going to get a massive, massive transfer kit. I think what's more likely to happen is Solskjaer moves to some kind of number two role and uh, the new guy comes in in the summer and um, they already have their signings earmarked and that will be the only way United can challenge next season. But... For the most part, I don't think Liverpool and Man City are going anywhere. And uh, Man City are very lucky, very, very lucky that this title race still has legs. And wouldn't it just be very much like the Premier League if Man City, who looked like they were going to go seven points behind after losing to Newcastle, or got lucky and found themselves five points behind, win this game against Arsenal, reducing it down to just two points. Liverpool get a draw against West Ham, making it three points. And Man City win their game against Everton on Wednesday and finish Wednesday next week, top of the league. Like, can you, can you imagine that happening? Because there are six points here available for Man City to take and West Ham isn't an easy place for for Liverpool to go to. We'll look at that game next. It's West Ham versus Liverpool where West Ham are the 7-1 to one underdogs, 19-5 the draw and it's 2-5 to five on Liverpool. Am I going to take West Ham here to avoid a defeat? Uh, it'd be more out of hope than expectation here. But Liverpool haven't looked as strong at the back. They are missing some players, obviously, as I said on the last podcast. Um, I think I said it. It sounds like something I would say, but I don't know what I said on the last show. I'm assuming that I may have made reference to the fact that Arnold and Gomez and Lovren were all missing and they're having to play Matip at centre-back with Van Dijk and, and a makeshift full-back. Um, if I didn't mention it, I'm mentioning it now. And um, that has led to Liverpool conceding more goals. And um, you feel that it doesn't matter really if they concede here, they'll simply be able to score more than West Ham. And um, also you'd, you'd strongly fancy Mo Salah to score in this game as he was unable to hit the score sheet in the last game and it's very unlikely that he'll go two games without scoring so I'm going to take Liverpool to win here and Mo Salah to score at 6-5 to five. but I wouldn't be surprised if West Ham get something here or at least give Liverpool a really really good game um, because it's a tough place to go it didn't used to be but for some reason against the top sides they really do turn it on they gave a really good performance at home against Arsenal they are obviously very hit and miss and uh, coming off the back of that terrible performance where they were beaten um, 4-2 by MK Dons and then off the back of that as well getting smashed 3-0 against Wolves West Ham badly, badly need a performance. And if they are beaten here and handed a heavy loss by Liverpool, that is not going to look good and that's not going to go down well, well with their supporters. They've conceded seven goals in the last two games against Wolves and Wimbledon. If they were to concede three goals here, that would be ten 
double figures conceded in three games. And obviously, I imagine if they conceded three goals here, that would be three losses as well. One more game I'm going to cover because it falls on Wednesday and I'm not going to do a separate podcast for one game. It's ever against Man City. 13-2 Everton, 7-2 the draw and 1-2 Man City. Um, this is a standard pick here for me. I think Man City win this game. Um, they have to. They have to win all their games in order to keep the pressure on Liverpool. And of course, as I alluded to, there is a scenario where Man City could finish Wednesday night on top, providing Liverpool don't get a win against West Ham and Man City win their two games against uh, Arsenal and Everton. And I fully expect them to do so. I fully expect them to bounce back from their bad loss against Newcastle. Let's move on to the lock dog parlay portion of the show. Um, my lock for this EPL show is going to be Tottenham. Um, I think Newcastle coming off that big, big win. I'm not going to put up off a performance here in London. Um, I think Tottenham will win this game comfortably. I think um, they've won games in the season without without Ali and Kane, where as long as they've had Song, that's the difference now. When they were losing to the likes of Crystal Palace, they didn't even have Song. He's back, doesn't seem to be overly affected by um, his absence at the Asian Games, will obviously be disappointing that his country didn't win that competition, which was the whole reason why he obviously went out there. But um, he's back now. He's back here playing for Tottenham. And um, I fully expect them to be able to beat the likes of Newcastle at home. Uh, Newcastle, as I said, don't do well in London. My dog, my dog is going to be uh, Wolves and Everton to play out a draw. Um, I think that's a pretty obvious pick for me. Two very, very inconsistent teams that have been horrible for me to bet on all season. And uh, I'm going to go for them to uh, get a draw against each other. And for my parlay, reluctantly going to add Liverpool onto this one. So that's Liverpool, uh, Man City against Arsenal and Chelsea to beat Huddersfield outright. So Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool, um, £100 on that one returns you £215. So that concludes the EPL show. I'm going to talk a little bit about the European show, which is available on lockbetting.com. Um, we are absolutely flying over the, over on lockbetting.com with this European show. You have to make sure that you are listening. The lock record over on the European show this season is 18 and 3. Like that's absolutely insane to be to be going 18 and 3 with your locks over on that show. Um, it's no different to this show. We pick the locks. The rules are the same. They have to be under one to two. Most of the times they are around about minus, but uh, they are actually under minus 150. I try my best not to pick a one to two. But um, as things stand at the moment, we are sitting at 18 and three for locks on that show. And if you want to hear it, you need to go over to lockbetting.com and sign up. Incidentally, the lock record over here on the EPL show this season is currently sitting at 23 and seven. Uh, we've lost back to backs. So disappointed with that. We're hoping to bounce back this week with Tottenham. The reason it's at 23 and seven, the reason why you've got 30 picks there when you've only got 24 Premier League games played is because we've had two rounds of the FA Cup. 
We had three international EPL shows, and on one week we gave out two locks. That's what takes it to 30, and that's what takes the lock record to 23 and 7. So that concludes the EPL show this week. Hope it's much better than the last one I did. Before we close out this show, I'm going to close out with some Super Bowl picks. Even though my personal interest in the Super Bowl has been somewhat absolutely fucking annihilated by the terrible, awful officiating in the NFC Championship game, which cost me and my clients a massive payout. We had New Orleans at 9-2 from pretty much the the fifth or sixth week of the season. I was, I was looking at how they were playing. I, I couldn't see anyone else winning that NFC other than the Saints and the Rams. In the end, it was the Rams, but that does, that's no consolation to me at all because the Saints had that game won and they should be playing in the Super Bowl for the second year in a row this has happened to them. And uh, instead, we're getting the Rams and the Patriots. The Patriots as well, they had their fair share of calls, but it's reached the point where we don't even complain about it anymore because we're used to everything being handed to the Patriots anyway. So we have two teams that don't really deserve to be here. Two teams I hate. Two teams I don't give a fuck about. Two teams I don't want to see win. Um, but it has to come down to who I'm going to bet on. And I want to see myself win. So therefore, I will back a team. And it's impossible for me, um, as somebody that runs a betting website, to just let this event pass me by and bit and be bitter and have no action on it whatsoever, which is kind of what I was saying I was going to do um, after the championship games. Uh, because I also had uh, Chiefs minus three as well. So I really got fucked in the ass on, um, on championship Sunday. So... Looking at the two teams between the Rams and the Patriots, I'm going to have to go with the Patriots in this situation, especially losing last year as well. The Rams have never been here before, and I know McVeigh's shit doesn't stink and everybody's trying to copy the Rams model and he's Jesus Christ, the second coming and blah, 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 blah. But this is Bill Belichick and this is Tom Brady and they will win this game. And I'm not even sure if they'll cover two and a half points and I'm not even likely to take that bet um, with, with, with the points because the way the last two games went, I can see them winning this by one and me being really, really fucking angry. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to bet the Patriots... Uh, flat out of four to five. I believe that's minus 125 for you guys. Um, I'm going to have a pretty large size bet on it. Um, I may hold some back as well uh, for when the Patriots inevitably are losing at some point in this game. And then I'm going to jump on again because there will be lead changes. Um, there will be points as well. There ain't no way the corrupt bullshit NFL and Goodell and all his bitches are going to allow this this game to go under in this massive showcase. They got the two teams that they wanted. They've managed to get LA into the Super Bowl, despite the fact that the LA community are completely disinterested in American football, but they want to shove it down their throats. The NFL desperate to integrate Los Angeles into, into football and, and want them to get interested. And they thought that by letting the, uh, the Rams into the Super Bowl, that maybe LA would finally start paying attention, even though they have what about 76 sports teams there. And somehow they needed to make sure the Rams got to the Super Bowl instead of the saints who deserve to be there. But, um, regardless, um, I think the Patriots are going to win. I think this is one step too far for the Rams. I think it would be even more sickening for me if the Rams ended up winning. Cause they really, really, really don't deserve to be there. That was one of the most blatant calls in sports. I'm still bitter about it 
12 days after it happened as I'm doing this I I don't I can't I can't talk about it still I was actually still kind of mentally disturbed by the whole thing and, and quite emotional about it and I'm not just upset for me because I lost a bit of money or my clients and, and 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 all that because obviously a massive chunk of profit like that takes a lot more pressure off me for the whole month but We've managed to make it back. We've had a fine month, but also for the players as well. And um, watching Sean Payton talk afterwards, that was one of the most horrible things I've seen in, in sports because you just genuinely felt for the guy and for the Saints and the supporters. And it's just, and because it's happened to them two years in a row. And obviously the last, the last one was a bad play. Uh, the year before was a bad play where obviously they didn't defend it properly and it's partially their own fault. But this this was just bullshit. And it, it really leaves a sad taste in your mouth and sort of lowers the interest for me going into this into this Super Bowl. Um, it's kind of crept up on me, in fact. And um, Kramer had to reach out to me to not to forget to add my Super Bowl audio to the um, to the podcast this week. So there's my picks. New England outright. Um over 52 I think the points are out of them no sorry over 56 that's high but still still like it well, over whatever it is there's going to be points in this game both teams are going to probably get to 30 I would say um, because I, I really don't have that much more belief that, that the NFL is any more real than, than WWE that I watch because people this week our clients won nearly a thousand pounds on that and um, there wasn't too much response. Well, I don't know if they won it or not because I did give them the bets. But under the column where I give the bets out, there wasn't a whole load of responses to it, as in thank you, Billy, or great picks or whatever, which I, which I normally get for all other sports. So there is this kind of um, stubbornness to not bet on it because people don't want to bet on um, entertainment or a fixed sport. But you guys bet on the NFL every week and... I'm telling you, there's, there's something not right about what just happened. And there's there's often shit like this that happens all the times. It's this, this, the, the Patriots in the Super Bowl every year. They look dog shit all season. And um, yeah, it's just something very, very corrupt and fishy. And there's a bad taste about this Super Bowl. And um, like I said... I don't have any real major interest in it this year, and um, that's that's quite weird for me because normally I'd be planning to to go out and be looking at what bar I'd be watching it and trying to be you know gathering people around and being you know this organisational person or at least showing it at my own bar. But um, yeah, I'm not not doing that this year. Just um, just gonna sit and watch it at home and uh, and yeah, that's gonna be about it. If you um you guys want some prop bets, I've picked some of those out as well. I'm not going to bother going into um, deep reasoning for these. Um, Tom Brady, over 1.5 sacks is at minus 110. I think they have a lot of guys in the Rams teams that can get to him. Um, this guy is in his 40s at this point, so don't be surprised uh, if he gets sacked a couple of times. Uh, James White, over 55 yards receiving. I like that one. Uh, Brandon Cooks, over 5.5 receptions, and that is available at plus money. So you can get that at plus 120, or you can get it at um, minus 130 for over 4.5. I just think you might as well just take the 5.5. I'd rather take the risk. And uh, this is an obvious one for me at minus 110. Todd Gurley, 
over 61.5 rushing yards. And that one in itself is self-explanatory because it's Todd Gurley. Um, I think um, he could have a good chance to um, break outside and, and make one big long run in this game, which may cover, you know, around about half of this distance in, in a singular run, which will really help the bet. So um, there you go. There are my prop bets. That's my take on the Super Bowl. I know it's mostly been moaning. Cause I fucking hate these teams and uh, I hate what happened to me and our clients and Sean Payton and the New Orleans Saints and it's a fucking tragedy, man. It's a fucking joke that that can happen in a sport where you have more cameras than ever. You fucking guys invented instant replay and VAR and soccer and all these other guys bought it in afterwards. I'm pretty sure that American football using using the um, the help of cameras and stuff was even a herd of the tennis and Hawkeye. I'm pretty sure um, it was one of the front runners. But anyway, the game's gone backwards. It's a fucking joke. These teams don't deserve to be here. But I hope that doesn't let, that doesn't hinder your enjoyment of the game and we can still enjoy making money in this game. Go Brady, go Belichick, go Patriots. Good luck to all of you guys with all your bets this weekend. <laughs>